Wow, God is good. It's a warm morning. It's a summer break. It's got that sort of, not only is it the, the, the feeling, it's got that, that feel, but God is an amazing God. He's a living God. I don't just, we, don't, we don't believe in hype as a church. We believe in hope. And this is where I get, we get our strength from. We get our enthusiasm from. We, we get our energy from is hope, uh, not hype. And so we are enthusiastic. Uh, we, 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 we will come alive at times because hope, we have got a hope in the living God. And, uh, you know, um, so my, my thing over the summer holiday period is, is how can I find uh, uh, relaxation and rest in the midst of my stress? Because uh, in the holiday period, you can still get stressed out just because it's the sun can shine and everyone starts to fly away or go away or wherever you are or coming back uh, and uh, we go for a rest. So how can we find? And so with that in mind, um, I, last week we embarked on a series called Rhythm. And uh, for a couple of sessions when I'm speaking, I want to speak about the rhythm of God's grace because there's a rhythm of life and how we can find rest and how we can find hope and uh, peace even in the midst of challenging circumstance, uh, and even in our, our successes as well. And uh, so it's that that I want to talk about uh, this morning, and uh, we, we were sharing last week. You know, um, so if you have a Bible, please turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter 12. Got a reading first, then I want to share something. And then we're going to follow that up with a, uh, a moment to pray together and respond whatever that means this morning. So uh, at the end, worship team are ready. Uh, uh, watching my cues, we're going to respond with a, a there's going to be a, we're going to, there's going to be a response this morning to what we share, put it that way. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 1, I'm going to read from verse 1 to 10. It's about a man called Paul, and he talks about a thorn in his flesh. And this is what he says. I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained, verse 1. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who, 14 years ago, was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. In other words, had quite a spectacular spiritual experience. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so that no one will think more of me as is warranted by what I do or say or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. How about that? That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So we're going to look at that, share that. And the way that I'm going to look at that this morning isn't the way I'd normally do. I, I normally share like three points or three-point message. I'm going to look at the text 
So I'm going to look at it sort of verse by verse, more as a comment on each verse. So you'll need the text in front of you, either on your tablet or in your Bible, whatever. So that's the way I'm going to do it this morning. A bit different from what I'd normally do, but that's where we're going to go. So just to recap, if you're just parachuting in from your holidays, uh, rhythm. Rhythm of grace is a short series that we're looking at. And uh, I, I entitled it that because life has rhythm. We, you know, we need to be able to cope with the ebb and flow of life. Life has an ebb and a flow. There are ups, there will also be some downs. There will be highs, mountaintops, there will be valleys, there will be lows. And so we need to be able to cope with that. We need to be able to navigate those aspects of life. It isn't just going to be all plain sailing, life being life. You know, my um, observation is that there is a rhythm, ebb and flow, up and down. There are the, um, we have the seasons, autumn, winter, spring, summer. It's not all just one eternal summer. You know, there is autumns, the leaves fall off. And sometimes I've made the comment, sometimes it can feel that the wheels are coming off the bus of our lives. The leaves are falling off. And, and, and then that, you think, when it couldn't get any worse, and it gets into a winter period. And so there's rhythm and, um, to, to, to life. God has built, but God, not only has he built the, like, seasons, a rhythm in, in life, high and low, ebb and flow, but also he's, there is a, a rhythm of grace that corresponds with the rhythm of life. And I want to just look at this. This is what we're looking at. There is a rhythm of grace. There is a flow of God, a river of God's goodness and mercy that will correspond with the ebb and the flow. There's a mercy for the highs. There is a particular mercy in the lows. Just because you're going through a low doesn't mean to say you've done something wrong. You're a bad person, necessarily. Um, My first thought is about myself. What have I done wrong? Where are you, God? It's not wrong to think, where are you, God? But there is an ebb and flow of life. And so there is also a rhythm to that. that uh, we, we introduced this last week, but in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, I've not quoted them all there, but from the message translation, it's the translation where Jesus says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy burdened. It's the NIV. Well, the message translates that same passage a little bit differently. And I, I latched onto this, but it says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Are you tired and weary and heavy burdened? Get away with me, says Jesus, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn. This is the way that Eugene Peterson translates it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that translation. Well, it's a paraphrase rather than a translation, but I love it all the same. Unforced rhythms of grace. There is a a grace, and um, I... Listen to last week. I haven't got time to go into it anymore, but in last week we looked at grace for every season of life. There is a rhythm, rhythm, a rhythm to that grace of God. And uh, I was say, saying last week, you can find it for every stage of life. You know, there is a grace for when, you know, you find yourself single and you want to be married. There's a grace. There's, there's a grace when you find yourself married. I wasn't going to say you want to be single, but... but <laughs> When you find yourself married, and, and, and there's a grace in that, in, that, in that situation. There is a grace when, when you, you, you find yourself in a job and you don't know where to turn. You don't want to be in that job anymore. There is a grace uh, when, when a certain sickness comes your way and you don't know where to turn. There seems to be no way out. There, 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 there is a grace um, for when, when, you, when you have children enter your life. There is a grace when your children begin to go out of your life. There is a grace, uh, you know, when you're 20 and you think you can take the world. There is a grace when you're 56, like I am now, and you can feel that you can still take the world, but it aches a little when you get up. 
And what I'm saying is there is a grace of God for every aspect and season. And there's a rhythm to that. I'm discovering, I'm 30 years, three decades in Christian ministry, uh, and three decades being married at the same time. Helen and I met at Bible College and went into ministry from Bible College, which is bit remarkable that, I would say remarkable that we're still together, but, but it, remarkable, the grace of God on our lives. Been amazing. And there's been a rhythm to that. Now, looking back a little bit and seeing this translation, it made me think about the summer of keeping in step with that particular grace. The summer period's a great opportunity to go away and relax and think and reflect and call upon God. And so this is what led me to look at this series just for a short while. What I would say is this, that there's a rhythm of grace corresponding to the rhythm of your life. Took me 10 minutes to say that. There is a rhythm of grace corresponding. You retire. You go into retirement. There's a grace. You find that life is just so different. There's a particular grace. It's not a one size fits all. When God comes, he knows us by name. This is amazing. His grace fits at that very moment for that moment. It's amazing. Just because it worked that way might not mean it works this way. There's a particular grace for this way and today. That's what I'm saying. We've got to discover that for ourselves, though. You have to discover that. This is why Jesus said, seek, find, ask, you'll receive. I know he's speaking about the Holy Spirit and entering the kingdom of God, but I still feel it's the same for that grace. When you seek, you will find. So when I'm saying that you've got to discover that for yourself at your point in life right now, God doesn't do hide and seek. And then say, you can't find me. Seek and you will find. Isn't that great news? So today, I want to look practically. We sort of introduced that and explored that last week. Today, I want to look practically at how we can enter in and discover that particular grace for that moment. And we're going to look at a man called Paul. uh, One of the founders of the early church wrote vast amount of the New Testament, the writings of Paul, Paul the Apostle. And uh, we're just going to look at his uh, life and uh, just a a, a fraction of his life and a moment of grace here that he reaches out to God. And uh, so we can, how can we find, so there's a rhythm of grace, how are you going to find it for you, that what you need right now? That's what I'm asking. So, um, so this morning I want to speak about strength through weakness, strength through weakness, and uh, that's where we're going to go. In this passage that we've just read in in the few verses from verses 1 to 10, Paul speaks of a, an amazing spiritual experience, a vision in the heavenlies of the plan of God in his life. It's amazing the way he speaks about it. It's spectacular. And then he also speaks equally of a terribly troubling life experience. So in the passage we've just read, he speaks of a, an amazing spiritual experience in life and then goes on to then speak about a very troubling life experience. You know, as a Christian, you can walk, know God and feel God, but you can also have troubling experience of life as well, can't you? And so Paul was not immune from that. And he speaks about it very openly and quite candidly in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians. While we're not going to get into a debate on what the thorn in the flesh was, let's just look at a few things. Um, So the first thing that he speaks of uh, is he says... Uh, uh, So he speaks, this is the thing that troubled him. He speaks of a a thorn in the flesh. Verse 7, he says says there, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger 
of Satan to torment me. And three times, verse 8, I pleaded for the Lord to take it away. A thorn in the flesh. There's lots of debate about what that could be. And, uh, but it was something that really, really troubled him and uh, debilitated him and left him in angst and complete anxiety. Whether it was physical or physical and emotional, probably was a mixture of all of that, I wouldn't be surprised. And uh, it, so much that it, it, it left him... Um, the way in which he's speaking, almost traumatized. It's, he's that troubled. He's that troubled that he's, he speaks to God to take it away, take it away, take it away. Three times it says, please take it away, take it away, take it away. So he's being traumatized. You know, life is not a bed of roses. You've heard that saying, haven't you? There are some thorns along the way. I know you can probably be saying to me right now, tell me about it. You don't know my pain. You're absolutely right. I do not know your pain this morning. God does. We're going to look at how we can come through. But even good people, looking at your lovely faces this morning, Paul was a you know, good man, Christian man, loved Jesus with all his heart and passion, founder of the early church, strategic person, incredible man, anointed, you would say, had incredible ecstatic experiences of the heavenlies, and yet he felt something in his life that was troubling him so much he was doubled over in terror. How about that? And so life comes our way, doesn't it? And in those seasons of life, there is also seasons of grace. There's a rhythm that we may lay hold in our time of need, singing about that this morning. You know, don't believe everything that Instagram and Facebook say. The sky's always bluer where everybody else is. They seem to have a bigger smile than me. The the table seems to be set so beautifully. And the coffee seems to be amazingly positioned. And, there's, and everything. And, you know, behind that Instagram account, there's probably pain and thorns too, at times. You know? And um, that, there is a danger, isn't there, that we can... Um, when, it, when it all goes wrong, when it goes belly up, we can look at other stuff, can't we? You know, how come they're okay it's quite normal to feel like this, by the way, initially, but it doesn't do you any good to continue to feel like this. But how come they're all right? You know, look at me. Why am I going through this? Why me? Have I done something wrong? Have you left me God? Am I that much of a fool? Am I that terrible? And uh, if, if we don't watch it and then look at others and then don't go on social media when you're feeling like that because it's a big no-no. Steer clear for a few weeks until you get yourself back on an even kill because you will push yourself under if you don't watch out. Um, Corrie ten Boom, great Christian lady whose family uh, during the war um, hid Jews at their home and event- and to, so that they could be free. And eventually the, they were taken into a prison camp themselves as a family. She came through that. But the great Christian lady, she said this, um, look at self and be distressed. Look at others and be depressed. Look at Jesus and you'll be at rest. I thought about that when I'm in pain. We look at everything and everyone and, in, and social media and Google for an answer. And, it, and, and I look at myself and beat myself up. And she says, look at self and be distressed before an age of media. Look at others and be depressed. You know, to Jesus and you'll be at rest. Jesus does truly have the answer because he is the answer. He is the answer. But in the age in which we live, when, you fault, when I falter... We need to be at that place to find our grace at that point of need. We're going to look at that. And so he speaks of this. And so, but Paul is um, not looking at others. 
he looks to Jesus for his rest, doesn't he? We see that. Second thing that we see that, so, so you know, you may be in that place right now. Second thing that we see in, in the text there, it says that, he says, verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. He prayed. He prayed. He pleaded. It says three times. I don't, it might not be one after the other, but it may, may be over a length of time. It might be in hours or months, I don't know, or, or moments, I don't know. But there's a wrestling going on. There's a pain. There's a fear. There's a battle. This is Paul. Wow. Wow. Uh, but it says three times. And um, to take it away. Sometimes God doesn't remove the pressure, but gives us the power to come through the pressure. Now, this, this, is a, this is the thing, isn't it? In your moment right now, you're praying. I don't know who you are, but you're there, you're praying. If only I hadn't done this, if only that hadn't happened, if only God, you could take this, if only you could do that. Just take it all, this is what Paul was praying. Uh, But God didn't answer him that way, to take it away, whatever it was, initially. In the age in which we live, we look for the way out. And it's not wrong initially, because we just want to get away from the pain. We want to preserve a sense of ourself. And I can understand that. But look at what it says here. And uh, there are times when God doesn't remove the pressure, but gives us power to come through it. You know, you're not a bad person. You probably haven't got it wrong. You're right. None of us are good enough. But that's what his grace is all about. It's unmerited favor. And this is what we want to learn this morning. You know, there's a plan to God's power. And this is the thing. There's a plan in his power. And my understanding is only a little piece this side of eternity on that plan as he reveals that to me through the power of revelation. And, uh, and this is what we see with Paul. He says, three times I pray that it's taken away. And yet that doesn't happen. Uh, there's something in life here. There's a point in life that you, know, you and I need to find a rhythm of prayer so that we can discover the rhythm of grace for our lives. And I don't mean by that you have to get up at a certain time in the morning and go to bed at a certain time and do this and do that and pray here and pray there and specify so many hours of prayer. But you've got to find something. You've got to find a rhythm in that. You know, if I never, if Helen and I got married and then we just very rarely spoke to one another, well, we wouldn't be here 30 years later. <laughs> you wouldn't, would you? If, if, if I never spoke to you as a pastor and you never spoke to me, you know, we'd find it very awkward when we did speak to each other. And if you never, never speak to anybody, it, we find it quite difficult if we're not used to making eye contact, you know, gesture. We feel awkward in ourselves, what to say, how to speak. And so the same with God. When it comes to the crunch, how do we pray? What do I pray? I thought, But if we can find a place where there is a conversation with God, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, a sense of rhythm, I'm I'm loath to say you've got to do it this way, that way, this time, that time. But if it's very rare and only when I need... Corrie Ten Boom again said this. This struck me. Um, She said um, about prayer, is prayer a spare tire or your steering wheel? That really struck me about me a year ago in reading that. You know, we break down. I need a spare tire. Lord, help me. Steering wheel. I need you, Lord, today. It's tough at work. I've got to make it to the tram in time. And when I get there, I've got a boss who's a pig. 
a boss who's not very nice. You know? Steering wheel. That, 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 that's a conversation. And, and, and in that, then, we, we get to a place where we begin to hear and know when God is speaking to us and in us. And, and also, when he doesn't speak, we've got to know that he's a father who does really care. And because he's not speaking at the moment, doesn't mean to say he's abandoned me. A rhythm. Finding a rhythm. And this is what Paul had, you see. Uh, I would say, this is what Jesus had. He said in the, in the early part of the day, Jesus in the Gospels would go to a, a secret place or a solitary place or a mountaintop place to seek God. Jesus had a rhythm. So too, you and I need a rhythm. Whatever that means for you, I can't specify that, but you've got to find it for yourself in speaking and hearing and listening to God. And so Paul prayed. And, uh, you know, we talk of the art of conversation. Practice the art of conversation. In, in, we've lost that maybe the art of conversation today. It's as we converse, as we look at people, see them in the eye. Don't always butt in. Don't always have to be speaking. Have a moment where we're listening. I'm quiet so I can hear. That's an art. And so too, the rhythm of prayer. And it's what Paul discovered. It's part of that. He had this terrible point of pain. But in discovering God's grace for that moment, he, he heard and called and heard, and called, and heard. Um, if we move on, in, 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 uh, in verse 9, continuing in verse 9, so in verse 8 he prayed, verse 9, the first part of verse 9 we read, but he hears, now he hears, nothing seems to happen, so it must have been a length of time. That's my thought on the matter. And then he says, and then, and then he, he hears, and so this is knowing the he- and to hear God, God will speak into our hearts and lives. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. You know, there have been times, I shared this last week, there have been times in my life where I've walked away from certain circumstance. If only I'd stayed, I I think now, looking back, I would have felt that particular grace that I needed at that time. I got on with my life. I walked away because I wanted to preserve myself from pain. And there are times in our lives, if, we, if we'd only wait a moment, there is a time where there is time to walk away. There is a time to, to, to start a new job. There is a time to, to do something fresh in our lives. Absolutely right. But there are times when God says, wait, stay. That's hard, isn't it, when we're hurting? And this is a moment, but it's at that moment that he pours out an amazing grace and an incredible power. And I think in my life, I've got to be honest, there have been some moments in my life, I don't regret, I'd look back, I think I've, I've just lived my life for, for God. But maybe there's a few points in my life, if I had stayed, I would have experienced the grace. Now looking back and knowing what I'm reading now, I think I would have experienced a particular grace at that moment. I just, me, talk about me, not you. I maybe didn't trust him enough at that moment. That's just me talking about me. I don't know how that fits for you. But... He says, my grace is sufficient for you. Wow. I, I shared grace last week. I, I, I'm not going to go overboard on that this morning. I haven't got time, but I need to listen to that. But this is almighty God. This is Jesus speaking, the Father speaking into our, his heart. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. The sufficiency is based on the supplier. Isn't that amazing? The sufficiency is based on the supply. And the supplier. What's the supply chain? Who's the energy supplier? Are you with EDF? British Gas? Some little company, I can't even pronounce their name. The supplier. The supply. 
The supply, the sufficiency of that supply is based on the supplier. Well, the supplier is almighty God, creator of the universe. Infinite wisdom, infinite power, infinite ability, never exhaustible. That's why its sufficiency is based. It's not sufficiency as, well, it will just about do you. It's sufficient. Here's a little bit that you need. Get on. You know, throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, God lavishes his love, it says in Ephesians. To the psalmist, the psalmist in Psalm 23 speaks about, my cup overflows. Old Testament, there's an overflowing sense of grace and love of God for us when we're in difficult, you, you go through the valley of the shadow of death, but the cup can overflow, it's the 23rd Psalm. You come into the New Testament in the letter to the Ephesians, Paul speaks about uh, God lavishing grace. There's an overflow. So when he speaks of sufficiency here, the sufficiency is overflow. Overflow supply that will meet your need and more. We can miss that if we walk away. You could miss that at that moment. Sufficiency is based on the supplier, and the the supply is based on the supplier. Infinite, inexhaustible supply of love, forgiveness, power, healing, hope, help, unmerited, unearned. Wow. Let me read you from another translation. It says, it reads like this. It's the amplified version, which takes the Greek text and expands it. And so when it speaks of sufficiency, let me explain that just for a moment. Look at this. It says, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and mercy are more than enough, always available, regardless of the situation. It backs up just what I've just gone and said. The translation backs up just what I've said. It's not pie in the sky. My grace is sufficient for you. In brackets, my loving kindness, my mercy are more than enough. More than overflow. Always available, regardless of the situation. There is a rhythm of grace for your situation right now. What are you feeling? What are you going through? There is a supply right at this very moment. It's particularly designed for a breakup in life, for a new job, for children, for a certain sickness, for a financial crisis. Whatever it might be in our lives, there's a certain grace for that very, very moment. It goes on to say, my Power is displayed uh, through weakness. He says there, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. The Amplified Version says, power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weaknesses. God's power shows itself most effectively Through weakness. In other words, it flows in great measure when we feel weak. Well, that's true. Because if we're self-sufficient, we can put a dam. It's like, if I accept, well, I can do it. I'll Google it. I've got a friend that knows. I can do it. I'm going to do this. I've made my plan. I've got that. But if if it's, I need you, God. I can't do this. I'm crumbling. As soon as we face him, the floodgates of heaven are open. The damn wall of my heart is laid bare and God can pour in what you need at this very, very moment. This is why in weakness we can find strength. Listen, it's, it's, is it an oxymoron or what they call it? We can find strength in our weakness. This is why Paul says, I want to be weaker all the more. To me, I think that's, that's nutty. You don't say that, Paul. Today we would say we want to be more successful, more powerful and look better and, 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 uh, uh, and, and, and everything be so perfect 
Paul says, I will, I will not rally in myself, but in God. And this is what he's saying. Power is displayed through weakness. You know, um, there's a positive power of weakness. This isn't beat yourself up morning. Look, honestly, listen to this. Just a couple of things I want to say about weakness. Uh, I'm not going to, but this is interesting. A couple of things. Uh, a, there's a power in weakness. And it, it, it allows a flow of God because it's not me, it's him. And it's less of me, more of him. I'm not self-centered and sufficiency isn't in myself, but I'm not self-sufficient, I'm God-sufficient. And if we can get that change in mind and heart, then there's a release in through our lives. It's not that God wants you to be a worm and beat yourself up and you're so weak and you're so rubbish. It's not saying that. He's saying if you're not self-sufficient and your sufficiency is found in him and you acknowledge that, that's what it's getting at there, the text. A couple of things, the positive power of weakness. Weakness, it harbours humility. In other words, it nurtures humility. Not me, it's you, God. Uh, we live in an age, it's look at me, look how successful, this is what I can do, I can do anything if I try, the world's my oyster. There's a, lot of, there's a bit of truth in that, a little bit of truth in that, but that's not the God of life. Humility. Those that lower themselves, God says, I will raise. So, so humility. Uh, so weakness harbors humility. Uh, second thing I'd say about it, so, so it's, it's I can't, but he can, okay? So that's why uh, the flow of God can flow in my life. Second thing I'd say about weakness is it, it deepens dependence, harbors humility. Second thing I'd say is it deepens dependence. It's not me, it's him. That's amazing. If my dependence is upon him, then there's a, a, a tidal wave of love and able to come my way. Otherwise, it's like a dam. It's me. I'll do it. I'll Google it. Well, it's like a dam. It stops God. It stops the flow. So, it deepens dependence. When I acknowledge it's not me, it's you, it deepens dependence. Third thing I would say is this. It cultivates character. Harbors humility, um, deepens dependence, cultivates character. You become a stronger person. Your roots go deeper. You won't be here today, gone tomorrow. Let me tell you, celebrities, certain celebrity, they're here today, gone tomorrow. Certain people that, uh, Instagram influencers will be here for an age, but not influencing tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? It deepens our character. And finally, um, gives us a heart to hear. It opens our hearts so that we can hear. This is what happened to Paul. Paul was saying, take it away, take it away, take it away. I'm so beat up. I, I, I need help. And it's into that that God then speaks and says, my grace is sufficient. He, he hears. See, this is what weakness does. Puts us in a place to hear when we say, not me, but you. I mean, so many people want to hear God, want to hear God. Well, he, not me. Finally, Paul, an amazing thing happens for Paul. As he embraces uh, that and God speaks into his heart and life, a flow of the spirit begins to, just rush into his heart, rush into his mind, transforming his mind, transforming his heart, transforming his spirit. It's called a flow of grace. It's that particular grace of God at that moment begins to flood him more than enough. It overwhelms, it overflows. It's more than he can take in. And he goes into ecstatic language in, on the earth. He had ecstatic language about the heavenlies. And now look at this. If you read in verse 9 and 10, he waxes lyrical about, I will revel in my weaknesses if God is able to show more power. He really waxes lyrical in verse, the end of verse 9 and verse 10. Have a look for yourself. I'm not making it up. He's ecstatic 
on earth about the pain that he's in, and yet he's feeling an immense inflow of mercy, of love, of hope, of forgiveness, of healing. Wow. And so can you. And so can you. And so can you. Likewise, know this inflow of love, this inflow of mercy. We see here that Paul embraces that grace. And it's up to you and I to embrace that grace that God gives us at that very moment, for this very moment, for this very time right now. Um, Having found it, he embraced it. Grace. I find that as I embrace grace, it embraces me. As I embrace God, he embraces me. Um, Some years ago, we would sing a song about being taken and folded in his arms of love. It was number one in the hit parade, Christian hit parade, quite a number of years ago. But but, but in in, in his arms of, enfolded in his arms of love. And this is the thing about embracing. As we embrace God, really throw our hearts and lives into God, it's at that point that we feel embraced again by God. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you, says in James. Amazing. And we feel embraced by the love, the hope, the help, the forgiveness, the peace, the hand, the presence of a loving Father and a beautiful Saviour. Arms of love will be wrapped around you. It's, it's, it, the Bible talks about being clothed. Clothed. Clothed in mercy. Clothed in love. Clothed in peace. And so at your time of need, we know a flow of his grace. So for you and I this morning, as we close... Let's open our hearts. Let's call upon his name. Let's reach out to him for the particular mercy that you need right here, right now, right at this very moment. I know you feel like running away. I know you feel, (coughs) excuse me, like hiding in a corner, putting your head under the duvet, hiding under a stone, whatever it is that you might feel right now. And I don't say that lightly. There's been many a time I felt pain at a point, but let's open our hearts to him and find our grace in our time of need. Let's pray. The guys can come back. That'll be great. We're going to sing together and just close in prayer and respond. So if that's you this morning, you need that point of grace. You need that particular grace for your marriage, home, finance, life, Christian walk, plans, I don't know what it might be right now. Husband, wife, children, something that you're praying about, something that you're anxious about, sickness, something that's in your body, that's your your particular point of grace. Let's call upon him right now as we worship together. And I'm going to just pray that each one of us are going to just feel a particular sense and meet and encounter particular grace of God that you need for your heart and life right now. Let's pray. So open your heart at this very moment for that particular grace that you need for wherever you're at right now. Worried, sick, work, finance, decisions, plans, hopes, fears, life, children, wife, husband, future, past. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that uh, 
Father God, Lord Jesus, as we open our hearts to you, we confess that we need you. I need you so much. I can't do it on my own. There are some things in life that just can't be answered. There are some things in life I can't fix and and no one else can fix it for me either. There are certain things that only you, you make the difference. You only have to say the word. You only have to reach out and touch. And so I open my mind, my heart, my home, my life, family, to you. Come Holy Spirit, have your way in me. Jesus, come and be Lord, Saviour, Friend, Healer. I pray all around this auditorium, Father God, that there is a flow of your infinite grace and that you might speak into everyone's heart and life in a particular word that says, I'm sufficient for you. God, the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, I am sufficient for you. I just pray that a flow of grace all around this auditorium be released in and through us. Let an overflow come, Father God. Please, please, where people are breaking inside at the end of their tether with anxiety and worry, flow with love, hope, mercy and peace. My grace is sufficient for you. There's an overflow coming. I pray for relationships, Father God. Let there come an overflow of love, hope and mercy. Pray right now, people's bodies, sickness. Let there come a flow of your healing virtue. The touch of your hand that says, be healed. I'm willing, I'm willing. All around this place, let there be divine miracles being released. Answers. Hope. Flow, Holy Spirit. Flow. Now, while our eyes are closed, if you feel right now, you need a moment of grace for you in this point of your life. Just put your hand up. No one's going to look at you. I'm not going to call you forward or anything like that. But if you feel that you need a moment of grace at this moment in your life, just put your hand up right now. You do that. Thank you. Thank you. Just keep doing that. Just keep your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? You just, at this moment, there's something in your life and heart you, you, you identify. I need, I need a moment of grace. Thank you. Thank you. I pray, Father God, that you, the, the people that, that uh, that are acknowledging that and the people that maybe aren't acknowledging that but silently in their heart I just pray for a release of the flow of your mercy and grace into their heart and mind right now men and women young and old Father God you know their, their situation and so I just pray for my grace sufficient for you just I pray for this flow of incredible overflow of mercy to come their way and in their hearts and through their hearts right now 
In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let's stand together as we sing together. Let's embrace his mercy and the flow of his grace. You might want to pray it's for somebody else that's not here this morning, maybe. Let's just pray that in Jesus' name.